You're listening to the ESP, the European Skeptics Podcast, an independent weekly show set out to bring you news, interesting topics and interviews with people mostly from Europe, building bridges and breaking down language barriers to show the world how active and awesome the skeptical movement is in the region. This is episode 251. I'm your host, Andras Pinter, and joining me for the show are my co-hosts, Annika Harrison and Pontus Böckmann. Sziasztok! Hello! Hey, Sir Heysan! You know what? What? This is the first episode of the coming 250 episodes. That's something to celebrate. <laughs> That's yeah. correct. I cannot argue with that. And I don't even want to. The very first episode of Batch 2. <laughs> we should just celebrate every episode now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, we celebrate every episode. Uh, at least I, I do uh, with uh, red wine. Cheers. <laughs> Cheers. <laughs> Prost. <laughs> so how did you like it last week? I enjoyed it immensely. It was uh, yes. It was such a good fun. Yeah, definitely. It was a, it was a real treat. Yeah. yeah. Having all those people on and uh, celebrating with us. Mm. Wow. Yeah, it was great. Yeah. We, everybody we asked, they just said, yes, we'll be there. Yes, we'll be there. So everybody wanted to be there as well, which yeah. felt yeah. fine. We didn't have to beg anyone. They were happy to be there. <laughs> and it was it was great fun. Such a treat. You just have the best friends. Just yes, how it do. is. Yeah. <laughs> you know, occasionally uh, uh, people ask me, and, and we did, did touch on that as well uh, on the, the, the episode uh, when we had, had that um, little chat about this, that uh, what, what the, the reason, what the purpose is of uh, of getting together with with other skeptics and socializing with other skeptics in in, in different ways, and uh, well, if I I have to name some of the nicest and loveliest and most honest people that I know, they're all skeptics, hmm. and they're mostly people I know through the skeptic movement, hmm. and uh, that is quite something, and I'm really grateful for that. And that is that is why we socialize and that is why we do this and and why we try to act as a hub here at the ESP. But I remember that uh, there was word on something like a song for the winners of the yes. quiz of some sort. So yes. uh, what's with that? Yeah, and I have to confess, I, I had to make it a bit longer. I tried to do the 10 seconds, but that was a lot very hard because mm. I wanted to include that Brian and Pontus won... The quiz. Woo. I wanted to include that Claire made the second place. Congratulations. And I also wanted to put some European uh, spirit into it and some skeptical spirit. So um, <laughs> to to accomplish that, it's just a bit longer. But <clears throat> <laughs> okay. here it comes. Dear Brian and Pontus, oh, we're so impressed. The knowledge is more than vocation. Claire also is awesome, so we can't resist to celebrate with the translation. Gefelicitiert met het winnen van de quiz, this is just so impressive to see. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> wow. All singing, all dancing. Congratulations. Fantastic. Wow. So, so yeah, congratulations, Pontus, Brian and Claire. <laughs> Nobody has ever written a song to me before, Annika. <laughs> this go. is the first. I'm very, very flattered. <laughs> yeah, you should be. And of course, Brian and Claire was there, but it was mainly for me. I, I, I can feel yes, that. Yes, yes. <laughs> <laughs> well, you got it live. <laughs> but please tell me. 
What was it? That that part that nobody understands. Uh, it's Dutch and it um, means congratulations for winning the quiz. <laughs> okay. It's Dutch. I just thought some European uh, spirit in there. And why specifically Dutch? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I mean that's Dutch is okay. I mean, I mean I mean it's it's a great language, but why would you choose Dutch <laughs> for the, over for the sake else? of surprising people because I thought it would be obvious that I, if I say translation that I use something German. Ah, okay. I thought like oh no no it's more funny if I Actually, wow. something Dutch. Wow! <laughs> I don't know what to say. I think that's that was fantastic. Cool. And yeah, gefeliciteerd <laughs> just fits so well into the syllables, and I was just like, yeah, I'm doing that. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, fantastic! From my point of view, you did absolutely amazingly. <laughs> Thank you. I mean, it was perfect. Perfect Dutch. Dutch. So I, I should have known. I should have known that the the moment that I realized that I don't understand a word, but it sounded weird. I you just I, called I, all I should our, have known that it you was just Dutch. called our old all our Dutch listeners weird. Be careful, <laughs> no, that's not true. But I know my language is is no exception to um, those uh, lists of, of uh, languages that are weird. So well, yes. yes, because we did something new with our acts, apparently. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. Anika, Anika commented on uh, my uh, sharing the the last episode, and I obviously did it with uh, with a couple of comments in Hungarian ah. uh, to to my Hungarian friends. And uh, Anika hit the the translate button on Facebook, and uh, <laughs> it came up with a couple of very funny solutions to some expressions let's just say they will have to work on google translate with when it comes to hung hungarian yeah it was it was I, I giggled i giggled a lot yeah yeah one thing i would like to add is that um this melody that i i used uh, was of course of george Rapp and keisha j gray Yes, 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 yes. Was former intro. <laughs> so it's still true that all music in the episode was from yes. for for which we are eternally grateful. Yeah, 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 yeah. exactly. Ooh, okay. So the that that was the U U one song. Yes, yeah, the U right? one song. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, how have you been, guys? Very good. Good. No, nothing yeah. a, a good haircut couldn't fix, I think. <laughs> I, I must admit, you can't see me now, folks, but I have a bit of a COVID uh, hairstyle, so, but I will fix that eventually. Mm. That seems to be an issue for many. I mean, not for me, <laughs> um, but it is, it is uh, apparently getting quite frustrating to many that they cannot get their hair cut and they can't go to their cosmetic saloon and, and can't socialize properly and stuff. So obviously we are all expecting a lot from, from all the news, all the COVID vaccines in development. And have you heard that uh, AstraZeneca and Oxford, University of Oxford, they, they've announced their COVID vaccine as well. Yeah. But it got a little bit of criticism from none other than new scientists. And uh, it was uh, Graham Lawton on New Scientist who wrote quite a good analysis of what the problems are with these, uh, the press release that uh, AstraZeneca came out with. So there are some questions within the scientific community as to how they they followed their, their own protocol, because apparently they kind of mis mixed two different trials happening in two different parts of the world, one of them in Brazil and the other one in the UK, mm. and they didn't follow the same protocols. So... Yeah. 
how That's can that shoddy. be comparable then? And yeah, it's 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 not very cool. But in the meantime, the EU Commission very very hopefully uh, moving on towards uh, to rolling out vaccines, and uh, apparently the the European Union assigned a deal with uh, Moderna. One of the the, the companies that mm-hmm. that uh, previously had announced their uh, uh, vaccine candidate being very very effective, like at a ninety four point five percent effectiveness rate. So the EU is trying to uh, secure one hundred and sixty million doses of vaccines in the in the next couple of months. And uh, Commission President Ursula von der Leyen even said that the first Europeans who might be able to get the vaccine are not unlikely to get it before Christmas, which is a little bit over-optimistic, I think. I think, I think so. so too, yes. But, uh, but everybody is working very hard <laughs> to get it out there as soon as possible. And yeah. and ab- about the criticism against um, the Oxford vaccine, I think it's good. I mean, it's not good that they did something that was questionable, but it's good that it's been discussed and, and that means that the scientific method works. Nobody's getting away without being uh, looked at and 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 uh, by by others and and that's how it should be yeah yeah and i think it's just like it's just reason for optimism <laughs> you know yeah yeah it is it is indeed and uh, some people say that uh, a real vaccine uh, might not be available before the next summer or something but it it just shows how determined everyone is to get a solution to this situation. Yes. Because if, if you look through the last couple of months, in the middle of summer, every politician around the world, everywhere, they said that a lockdown similar to the one happened that happened in spring cannot be implemented again because it will be devastating to the economy. And here we are in lockdown situations all over the place again. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, schools are still open in Germany. so. <laughs> yeah, some schools are already closed here in Hungary. Mm. Um, high schools and universities yeah. uh, are, are doing online teaching, mm. but uh, primary schools and nurseries, uh, they're still open. And uh, yeah, yeah, we don't know. But I cannot go out on the street after 8 p.m. So oh, yeah, I'm really? stuck at home. You have a curfew? Yeah, after 8 p.m. And it's not just you personally. It's not the restraining order <laughs> on you. It's for everybody, right? <laughs> okay, I'll, I will get back to that restraining order later <laughs> with, a, with, a, with a news item. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's not just me. It's not just me. Uh, although some people might be very happy to do that to me. No, never mind. I think with the vaccination, it's also that, for example, yeah, like you said, in summer, everybody might be able to get it. But before that, they will already be able to to maybe vaccinate risk groups and uh, like the people in the forefront, yeah. like um, doctors, uh, nurses. Yeah. That's already a lot like a, um, a big relief it is, yeah. because if, if they already are vaccinated then then um yeah they aren't risking their life as much and it's going to be a, a, a very clear and important move towards achieving a herd immunity yes. and uh, bit by bit if enough people get vaccinated that that is what we need yeah and uh apparently the the european medicines agency is ready to approve a vaccine if it meets the necessary standards and um Apparently, uh, Moderna says that they can start manufacturing and shipping on the day of approval. Mm. So, well, they are quite ready. Like, like their finger is on the trigger. <laughs> yeah. well, well, I'm glad. I mean, it would be terrible if they approved it and then it would take two months for, for it to, to start being delivered. Yeah. 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 
It's a bit like the flu vaccine here in Germany. It's like hmm. it's sold out pretty much. Mm. Yeah, yeah, same, same here here in Hungary, which is quite good. I mean, I mean, it's good, good for influenza uh, vaccine uptake. But um, th this shows how something is is absolutely misunderstood in the general public. That when they say that uh, the development of the vaccine is rushed, not every part of it is rushed. Uh, one part of it that is is absolutely rushed, and they tried to save time with it, is that they started preparing for manufacturing before it got the the green light. Yeah, yeah. Before the, the 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 trial phases were over, that gives us several months of advantage, which is quite good. Anyhow, I'm quite optimistic. Um, I'm always optimistic, but but this this is really cause for optimism. <laughs> but uh, we need to be very cautious as well. So maybe some cautious optimism. <laughs> cautious optimism. I'm just hoping that our politicians all over Europe will be on top of this and will make the right decisions. Okay, so what else have we got before we move on to doing the regular show that we didn't do last week <laughs> because of our celebration celebrate good times come on oh, <clears throat> okay so <laughs> moving on no jesus has nothing to do with moving it moving on but we could start start singing jesus christ superstar as well i'm quite fond of it myself but before we end up doing that i think we should uh crack on with the show and we haven't heard um this week in skepticism kind of item for a long time. So, Anika, if you've got something for us this week, yes. go for it. So, on December the 2nd in 2010, the Ukrainian newspaper Business Bedichev announced that a group of ufologists decided to build a memorial for fallen aliens. Not fallen angels, fallen aliens. Okay. And... <laughs> Lots, they, they say, lots of contacts with alien ended with disasters and there's no memorial to remember them and to remember the tragedies around that. Oh, poor aliens. The, <laughs> the newspaper said, uh, reported after they published that, that although the topic was maybe a bit funny, that it did interest uh, like millions of people and they actually started a fundraiser in 2010 about that. So what do you guys think about that? About the fundraiser? <laughs> about this idea? I, I think before you build a memorial about this, something, you'll have to actually establish that it happened. That's true, yes. <laughs> well, that's not the first time this happens. <laughs> no, I'm sure it's I've not. I've probably told you about, about Jesus, um, a guy. It's just, uh, yeah, just one example. <laughs> and another example, a favorite of mine, is down in uh, southern Italy in, uh, um, on the coast of Amalfi. And there is this guy named uh, Flavio Gioia, and there is no proof of his existence. You can track the, the development of his story from nothingness <laughs> all the way to becoming a social, uh, like a hero to the local, local people. And he has squares and streets named after him. He has a memorial plaque. <laughs> and in the middle of Amalfi, uh, very close to the main square, down at the, at the port, there is a statue of him. And he is... The story is being told all over the place about him being the second inventor of the compass. And he's a completely made up person. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So there's precedent. Yeah. <laughs> so that this is your weekly skeptical guide item, guys. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this is. I mean, um, I definitely heard of more absurd memorials in this show, <laughs> but... 
uh, there's like still money that could be used for actually existing things, for good things, for like uh, funding medical uh, things or education <laughs> or <laughs> vaccines. Yeah, like um, vaccines, for example. Yeah. <laughs> so how, how much? How much did they did they uh, spend on it? They didn't. They didn't say. But um, we, we they just started the fundraiser in 2010. Oh, okay. But um. Yeah, it is like we know, we know that it's it's still money. Like every little money helps, and it is still money that could be used for actually for useful things. <laughs> and also, yeah, I was just asking myself how many disastrous alien landings did I really experience so far, and <laughs> I came up with none. <laughs> <laughs> well, you haven't experienced the Second World War either, and how many memorials are there? Mm. Uh, that's true, but it's still a bad argument. <laughs> Is it, though? Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> okay. Yeah, so that was it. <laughs> Annika, can you clarify? Uh, you said they, there was a fundraiser, but did they actually build the memorial? I couldn't find that out, actually. So they may just have kept the money. Could be. Uh, that gives another dimension to the whole story. <laughs> uh, but yes. I don't I don't want to infer that of course. Like I will have to do more research but yeah, just like the story in itself for the like the memorial for fallen aliens is already such a funny thing yeah. that I just wanted to give that a bit of a bit of space in the in the show. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, thank you very much for that. All right, so have you got something to poke the pope for Pontus? Yes, actually, because the, the, we we have uh, neglected Francis, I would say, for a couple of weeks now. It's time to catch up. And one of the items here is that he was caught with his pants down, almost literally. But we'll get to that last. I'll save that. What? 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 what, what? <laughs> so, do I want to know? <laughs> yes. Yes, you do. Let's do the other stuff first. Yeah. <laughs> On the 10th of November, the Vatican published a 461-page investigation report about the discredited uh, Cardinal McCarrick, which we have mentioned a number of times. He is the only cardinal in modern times who have been defrocked and uh, basically been thrown out of, of the church. That's bad when you're a cardinal. Shouldn't be happening. You shouldn't be a cardinal in the first place. No, no. Nobody should be a cardinal, actually. But speaking of waste of time and money. But uh, I, I didn't, I must confess, I didn't read the 461 pages, but I read uh, the intro and I read the, the executive summary and I read others' uh, report on the whole thing. And uh, obviously, this is an internal investigation about what happened with uh, Cardinal McCarrick, what did we, that, what do we know, when did it go wrong, blah, 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 blah. And of course, they go to great lengths not to blame the current Pope. Uh, Francis is getting away scot-free in this uh, analysis, but there are uh, others, other popes, at least uh, almost three of them, I would say, two and a half that gets blamed. So I will quote just to illustrate what they are, how they are going out of the way to make sure that Francis is not blamed for this. So I will quote, Until 2017, no one, including Cardinal Parolin, Cardinal Wellet, none of these important people provided Pope Francis with any documentation regarding allegations against McCarrick. So that was still a quote, right? Mm -hmm. And it continues later on. 
Pope Francis had heard only that there had been allegations and rumors related to immoral conduct with adults uh, occurring prior to McGarrick's appointment to Washington. And that was uh, in uh, 1977. So it was a long time ago. And uh, maybe he did something with adults, but uh, uh, that's what uh, Francis knew. Continuing the, the, the quote... Believing that the allegations had already been reviewed and rejected by Pope uh, John Paul II, and well aware that McGarrick was active during the papacy of Benedict XVI, Pope Francis did not see the need to alter the approach that had been adopted in prior years. Yada, yada, yada. Pope Francis did nothing wrong. Okay. So plenty of words there just to make sure that no blame falls on Francis. And to be fair, to some extent, John Paul II... He, who was a very popular pope. He seems to be rather guilty here. It's not mentioned in the report, but John Paul II demoted the severity of the crime of pedophilia by priests. In 1983, he replaced the penalty code for the Catholic Church. And in that document, he wrote this motu proprio or whatever it's called. And in that document, this crime is demoted, as I said, and put on par with minor offences, which it wasn't before. And then I got into a rabbit hole and looked into this a little bit more. Apparently already around the year 305, 306, it's not exactly known what date it was, the third ever synod, the Synod of Elvira, decided, the bishops there decided at the time that they had reasons to punish bishops and other clergy who were found guilty of sexual immorality. Uh, And the worst... Do you know what the worst thing can happen to you if you're a Catholic? The worst penalty for the worst crime is? Get kicked out of the church? You mean in your life or after after you die? Well, in, in this life. I would say you get kicked out of the church. Kicked out? Good question. Good guess there. Uh, discommunicated or is it is it uh, like a... You would think so, but that's almost the same as kicked out. No, the worst that can happen to you is that you're never allowed to eat the holy crackers again. Ooh. So to be excluded <laughs> of the communion is what the penalty was in the year 305. Mm. Yeah, I mean, and back then it actually meant something yes. for them mm. because it meant you couldn't go to to heaven. It meant that people could hunt you down because you weren't a member of the church anymore. So you're not technically yeah. human. Yeah. Like it meant something, but... Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. But basically what it means is that you're not allowed to practice the metaphorical cannibalism. Exactly. That's the worst that can happen to you. Yeah. yeah. And okay. it's still, we've come back to, we <laughs> okay. actually throw nice. back to many of these uh, segments in the past. Uh, Francis is still very obsessed with the, the right for people to, to have communion. That's one of the biggest problems he sees there. Yeah, more on that later. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> anyway, the rules have changed many times since the 300s, but uh, severe punishment was in place until 1983 when John Paul changed them. So you can draw whatever conclusions you want, but to me it sounds like John Paul didn't think that... Uh, um, pedophilia was uh, a very big problem. So, and he was the one who, who appointed uh, McCarrick in the first place. So that's the first item I have. <laughs> I have more on Francis. He has also appointed new cardinals uh, last week, which uh, he's pretty good at doing. He, has, he appointed 13 new cardinals on the, the 22nd, no, 28th of November, uh, whereof nine are young enough 
to vote uh, for a new pope when the time comes. And young enough in this case means they are not yet 80 years old. <laughs> so I don't know why he bought. I don't know why he bothers to to appoint people above the above the age of 80 because they will not actually have any power but maybe it's favors for old friends or things like that anyway what's happening here is a continuation from previous years when francis is continuing to pack the court so to speak he has now increased the number of cardinals that can vote from there was a convention that it shouldn't be more than 120 but he is now up to 128 and he can he can decide because he's the fucking pope yeah uh, but uh, at the moment 50 7% of the cardinals that are allowed to vote for a new pope when it comes have been appointed by um, Francis. And, and there, there will be more because the older ones will get older. 57, but it's still more than half more of than them. More than half of them are, are wow. his guys, if you will. <laughs> so I think he's working on his legacy here. And yeah, I think that's pretty interesting because he, he does represent a little new thinking within the catholic church and he's not very popular with the conservative cardinals but this way he's actually tweaking the 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 system if you will so that the likelihood that the next pope will be progressive as he is or for pope yeah. being progressive i don't think it's progressive but uh, the, the chances are um, increasing that there will be a, someone like him to follow him so he's political. He knows how to how to do these things. That's what I was going to say. Yeah. That everyone thinks that oh, he that politics is way beyond him, and it's not. It's not. No. Oh, it's absolutely not true. He's a politician, all right. Mm. Yeah, yeah. And, and it, when he was younger, long before he was pope, he was criticized for being a very harsh leader back in Argentina. Mm. So that's another story. So, but he 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 he's not the gentleman that he wants us to believe. He's also uh, a very busy man, and he also published a book. Uh, very, or I don't know even if it's out. There's, uh, it's been uh, reviews of it, but I think it may be for before the actual launch. The book is called "Let Us Dream," which sounds very diplomatic. Or what should I say? It seems that, unworldly. Is that the word? I, it's not very concerned with <laughs> with the here and now. Let us dream. Uh, and I haven't read it, of course, but um, there are some good things in there, according to uh, to the reports. Uh, uh, he is criticizing virus deniers, which we that's good. That's something. <laughs> and he also takes, you know, he mentions uh, George Floyd and the murder of George George Floyd. So uh, and in you know, and he backs people who are being outraged about that. So okay, that's okay for a pope. But back to uh, being caught. Uh, with his pants down. I, I think maybe some people have already seen this because it made quite some news. Yeah. Uh, the official Franciscus Instagram account liked a very interesting picture uh, <laughs> not too long ago. <laughs> it was posted by a girl called Natalia Garibotto. Mm -hmm. uh, she is uh, one of these new Insta ladies um, who specializes in posting almost nude pictures of herself. So her very um, revealed uh, bottom was liked by the official Fra Francisco's account. <laughs> <laughs> so that's what we are caught with his pants down. Or rather, maybe 
caught liking a girl who had her pants down. Maybe that's more uh, accurate. <laughs> well, the problem is that you you actually planted a picture in our heads. Uh, and I mean, I will look. I'm not referring to the model. <laughs> I'm referring to 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 the Pope or someone handling the Pope's account. Yes. Um, well, with with the pants down, and it's not a nice picture. I didn't want not to a nice that. at all. So, of course, now the Vatican has launched a big investigation of how could this have happened. But of course, I don't think there's a big mystery here. Uh, Frankie is not the only one who has access to to this account, so we don't know who did it. So either His Holiness himself or one of the less holy elves that he has over there <laughs> to help him with the account, they forgot to switch <laughs> accounts at some point and then they liked and they thought they were uh, anonymous or, or their own account. So, well, accidents happen. Um, actually, in a way, it's a rather uh, <laughs> it's rather nice, I think, to have confirmation of what we already know. They are all human <laughs> after all. And I hope it was Francis who did it himself. That would be interesting. Yeah. But somehow I don't think maybe it was. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Thank you very much, Pontus. Thank you. For poking the Pope once again. It's been a long time without poking him. So it was about time. Well, about time to move on to the news. And <laughs> you you introduced it quite quite nicely. I mean, uh, you mentioned the Holy Communion, um, and you you mentioned accidents happening uh, in the church. So um, the, the Serbian Orthodox Church uh, did had uh, its own accidents lately. Ooh. I don't know if you've heard, if you, if you, if you read anything about it, but um, no. Patriarch Irinje uh, died of COVID. Oh. And uh, he, he was 90 years old, so um, he, he was in the, the risk group, uh, obviously. But the problem was that uh, he didn't take much care, did he? Especially after the funeral of um, another uh, high-ranking bishop, the Metropolitan Bishop Amfilohie Radovic. And uh, earlier the month, he had uh, contracted COVID as well and died. And the funeral... As it is customary in the Orthodox Serbian Orthodox Church, uh, it was with an open coffin. Uh, it was the, the the body was put on display, and people started kissing the hands, kissing the forehead, and 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 that kind of stuff, including Patriarch Irinier, who ended up contracting COVID himself and then subsequently died. Oh. And because he was the highest ranking leader of the the Serbian Orthodox Church obviously it was he had a state funeral and um, the Serbian government declared a three-day national mourning as well but here comes the actual news they decided to cover the coffin his coffin with glass so that people cannot go go through the usual motion of uh, of kissing up the body all over they decided to put a glass over it but then people started kissing the glass oh, fuck. <laughs> <laughs> never learned i wish you could see the eye rolls here right now do you listen us <laughs> oh god and there is another custom and this is this is why i'm glad you mentioned the holy communion that uh in the in the orthodox church the holy communion consists of uh consuming both the blood and the body and uh the blood is served in a spoon 
that is shared by everyone. So the same spoon is being used oh. to pour the, the thing into the mouth of the believers who come up to the priest. It's like they want to catch it, right? Obviously, government officials said that the, the problem is that they cannot do anything about it because the, it, it cannot be banned, obviously. Is it freedom of stupidity or what? <laughs> it is freedom of stupidity. But some high-ranking officials, and that happened, the same thing happened in the Greek Orthodox Church as well, with the, the one of the archbishops, the archbishops dying, and uh, the other one, the archbishop Hieronymus, who is 82 years old, uh, being hospitalized with COVID uh, for the same reason, because he did attend someone's funeral and uh, did go through the motion. They will very soon run out of people there. We will eradicate the whole church. Yeah. Jesus. Yeah, but this is not what we want, people. So no. uh, we argue with the church, we criticize the church and, and religions as well, but we don't want you to die. So please don't be idiots, because... I believe, I, I don't want to be absolutely disrespectful, but this kind of attitude is definitely worthy of a Darwin Award. Mm. Yeah. Yes. Right? Yeah. So it's, it's just ridiculous. And I even read about this, uh, high-ranking officials of the church saying that this is not a way to contract COVID because it's the body of Christ and it's the, the blood of Christ. So definitely it cannot be harmful to anyone. So why is everybody dying then? That's just a level of stupidity that should not be allowed. Yeah. So hmm. yeah, well done. I think I think this this could have been quite a good, really wrong segment as well. But uh, <laughs> I'm I'm afraid we've got too many of those today. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> so we had to choose one coming later. <laughs> Yeah, but I've actually got something that's really right <laughs> in that regard. Um, mm -hmm. Because there's a new book out in Germany um, called Medizin und Wissenschaft Grundlagen für eine sachgerechte Gesundheitsförderung. Oh. Or in English... Gesundheit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, or in English, <laughs> Gesundheit. No, <laughs> in English, uh, Medicine and Science um, Groundworks for an Efficient um, Health Education. And it's for uh, biology classes in schools, actually. It was written by Evira Schmidt and uh, Dittmar Graf. And it's a book with practical material, uh, materials and guidelines to teach um, medicine, alternative medicine, science and critical thinking in biology classes for secondary schools. Mm -hmm. And um, yeah, the topics they cover in the, in the book uh, include um, modules about medicine, a so-called alternative medicine to uh, with definitions and differences between these two uh, criteria of science how medical studies are done what what they constitute homeopathy and how it works or doesn't work <laughs> vaccinations then there's also a role play about interests in alternative medicine like a, a healer a gp a pharmacist an owner of a pharma company a patient with a positive experience where like the students can actually see like where the interests for different in, different interests in selling homeopathy for example come from so far the book is only available in german but um i think it's really wonderful for biology teachers and everyone uh, in that environment who wants to teach critical thinking and thinking about about alternative medicine and medicine in general to to children and to students and if enough people ask, there might also be a, a, a translated version at some point of time. So, hmm. yeah. <laughs> so we'll see. <laughs> but that's very good. What what age of students is it uh, they, aimed they for? They said biology classes um, 
in secondary schools. So I would guess it's it's um, probably from yeah, like like secondary schools in Germany are from grade five to thirteen, so age ten to twenty, which is a bright, like, broad. pretty okay, wide, that's good. good, wide area. I will make sure, like I will actually ask the author when which actual age they're aiming. But if it's if it's biology classes, they probably have covered most of that age group. Great, good, great. You mentioned uh, g- uh, translations um, because now I'm um, I'm going to mention to you uh, something that has been translated into German from English, and um, it's another very important book that I keep telling everyone about. <laughs> that is the Debunking Handbook 2020, that is now available in uh, German translation thanks to uh, Berbel Winkler. Uh, and Timo Lubitz. Great. Mm. They were uh, um, nice enough to uh, translate it into into German. It's now available. And I hear that uh, an Italian translation is on the way. So uh, it's happening, people. If you haven't yet, please let Babel Winkler know, because she's the one organizing and coordinating the translation work of the debunking handbook as well. So you can, obviously, we will share the the link on the show notes. And uh, there you will find the way to uh, contact her if not you can contact us as well and we can make the connection Mm. Uh, so feel free to do either but uh, it's definitely a good thing and I am working on a Hungarian translation so uh, I keep announcing it so that I remind myself to do it so (laughs) I I can say that also uh, there's a Swedish translation uh, in the works okay we have a translator who is in contact with Babel I don't know how far they've come but it's coming Mm -hmm, mm mm-hmm good Good, good, good. So well done. And uh, yeah, keep them coming, people. Yeah. Uh, let's make it available to everyone around the world because it's important. Yeah. And it's well-researched. It's it's something that has to be on every skeptic's shelves. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> All right. I think it's time we bring back an old discussion of the show from a few years back, which uh, okay. we, we didn't always agree um, necessarily. Andras and Jelena at the time, I recall, were quite behind the idea of uh, mandatory vaccinations, while I were less uh, uh, enthusiastic, shall I say. Uh, mm-hmm. But <laughs> the reason to bring it up again is that there is now an emerging debate in France uh, which already have a, a huge, huge number, no, not a huge number, but they have a number of mandatory vaccines already. And uh, what about, should they make the COVID vaccine or vaccines that are coming out uh, also mandatory? So that's the discussion that's coming. And perhaps I'm not quite as firmly against mandatory vaccinations as I used to be, because I have realized, which is often the the case, that uh, it's always a little bit more complex than you think at first. Uh, so, what what do you say? Are you pro or against mandatory COVID vaccinations? It's difficult. Like it, it's nuanced. I would say. <laughs> yeah. Um, on the one hand, like uh, the authoritarian in me is like yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so everybody like is there an authoritarian in you i i, I didn't know that <laughs> it's gonna come in handy soon well yeah yeah in a way it's like like yes because <clears throat> people are sometimes too stupid for their own good to function in a way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> without without being like i don't i don't i mean like actual stupid behavior i don't mean disabled people just make it that clear um yeah. it's just like Yes, but in the in another way, of course, that can also uh, breed a lot of hate and a lot of people who think, yeah, like it, it can lead to conspiracy uh, 
believing yeah. um, and, and stuff. So, yeah, yeah. I mean, like, I think the way they want to do that in Germany is actually like not, not having it mandatory, but but being like, oh, yeah, you don't have to do it, but you can't enter this shop and you also can't use this plane and you can't use this train if you're not vaccinated. And then it just gets so bad that you do it anyways. Yeah. Mm. I think in France, some of the vaccination schedules in France are really mandatory mandatory which is means that you if you don't get your kids vaccinated against i think polio and a few other important stuff then you get fined and we talked about that mm -hmm. some years ago i can't remember but there was a yeah. a, 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 a case where where parents were fined and, and that's of course that's one way and then you as you said you can also do it well you don't have to but you you lose some privileges if you don't And then there is even there are even ideas um, flying around to pay people to get vaccinated, which I I don't I don't know, but but my 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 resistance from before and we're still a bit hesitant about this is what you said as well, Annika. I, I'm afraid it may backfire and it will create all of these or fuel the, those uh, mm -hmm. uh, conspiracy theories. And then that may not have the intended consequences. But in this case, now there was a where somehow 50% of the population says, well, I won't take the vaccine because I think it's dangerous. Oh, then, then you have to do something because yes. 50% is probably too low to, to get a herd in, in immunity. Yeah. I have to say that uh, I am constantly revising my, my own uh, standpoint on, on this. And that is uh, partially thanks to you, Pontus, because, uh, because of the, 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 those discussions that we used to have yeah. about this. Uh, so I think I, I now have a much more nuanced um, um, idea of, of what I think. But uh, I definitely agree that uh, with COVID, it is much more difficult because of the the already existing unwillingness of of uptake but the other on the other hand uh i do want to avoid that kind of uh, counter counterproductiveness uh, of of the situation of of having a, a mandatory vaccination but then again i am in a in a in a very special situation here in hungary because we have the most uh, the greatest number of uh, mandatory vaccines uh for children Uh, among all Euro European countries. Mm. And it works quite well. So up until a couple of years ago, there was not much protest against the mandatory vaccinations and there were not very uh, sp um, strong forces against it. But now it's getting, it's getting more and more Uh, supported by the general public, yeah. the idea of not having mandatory vaccination. So it's really not a clear-cut thing to decide. Yeah. I'm sure the debate will go on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, some some debates go on, and uh, some things are uh, go on unnoticed for a long, long time. And uh, apparently, that happened to very important documents that were stored, or at least had been believed to be stored in the Cambridge University Library. And those are some manuscripts, two manuscripts from Charles Darwin himself. Mm -hmm. And a couple of days ago, the announcement was made that it was reported stolen, wow. these two documents. The problem is that the Darwin collection of the, the uh, Cambridge University Library accounts to 189 archive boxes. So it's quite a large collection that they've got. And uh, for a long time, they had believed that 
it it had been misshelved. It or, was in the other or, box or mislabeled yeah. or something in the other box. And because the last time they used them for m- making digital copies of them, and there was uh, the, the photographs were taken and, and all that all that stuff, it was in two thousand, the year two thousand, so twenty years ago. And um, then they started started thinking that oh, uh, we can't find it, but it, it must have been misplaced. And then almost twenty years later, uh, they realized that after looking through all the boxes, looking through the whole collection. Uh, of the 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 darwin related material of the the library they couldn't couldn't locate it wow so they reported it stolen to the police and now they want to find out some officials they say that um there is an antique uh specialization crime unit at the metropolitan police and a, a certain dr gardner who is um the university librarian and the director of the library services she said that uh they are on it, but they they didn't have a lead. But obviously, after twenty years, how how could you have a have a lead? But some people are very optimistic about this, and they say that um, the best hope we've got for, to to get back these documents is to someone who has them grow a conscience after <laughs> right. a while, or on their deathbed uh, decide to give it back to the library or. I don't know. But it, uh, interesting with this antiquarian investigation unit. I, uh, for some reason, I got into my head the picture of sniffer dogs <laughs> saying, go, go, seek Darwin. Yeah. Good dog, good dog. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, oh, what concerns a lot of uh, uh, science historians as well is that among those important documents, there is one uh, manuscript that has the very famous Tree of Life sketch that is so famous. Is that one missing now? Among the things that Darwin Darwin did. Oh, no. Yes, it is missing oh, now. Oh, wow. So, and <laughs> the funny thing was that uh, Adam, Adam Rutherford the other day posted something on Twitter and he posed in front of a picture of that sketch, probably in his house, and saying that... <laughs> Why would anyone think that I have it? <laughs> or something something along those lines. Well, then then I posted a, a reply to that with uh, my Darwin t-shirt. I, uh, have you seen my Darwin t-shirt? I've got a t-shirt with uh, actual text from the, the origin of species on the t-shirt. Yeah, I saw it on uh, on It's printed on, Twitter. printed on it. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, yeah. But nobody thinks that's the original, right? Because we don't believe that Darwin put took his notes on T-shirts. No, obviously not. <laughs> on Andrew's T-shirt. Was, <laughs> no, no, no. But the original, <laughs> and the original is in frames in Adam Rutherford's house. And that that much we know. Ah, okay. <laughs> <laughs> he, he posted a picture of it. Problem solved. <laughs> that must be original. <laughs> yeah. It's an obvious sign of a thief who doesn't want to be seen as a thief. Mm. Uh, you know. Yeah. yeah, that's what he th- wants <laughs> yeah, you yeah, to yeah. think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and um, speaking of things that are lost and things that are surprisingly lost, the German party Bündnis 90 Die Grünen, so the Green Party, they distanced themselves uh, politically from uh, homeopathy, which is a surprising loss, I have to say. Loss <laughs> 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 uh, for the homeopaths. homeopathy, you mean? Yeah, yeah, okay, okay, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just wanted to make sure that you're referring to that. <laughs> yes, 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 loss for the homeopaths. <laughs> yeah. more, but more surprising than a loss, actually. Hmm. Um, they now say that insurances should <clears throat> only cover things that are scientifically proven to work and medically, like make sense medically. Mm-hmm. Um, they don't name homeopathy there, 
but it's pretty much like saying what else would they mean you know yeah and um it's going into the right direction especially and that's why i find it surprising because the greens are usually very like alternatively minded right and same here yeah no. that's why that's why i was su uh, happily surprised by that good i hope jens spahn mm. is uh, listening yeah, yeah. to this now and <laughs> yes. he realizes that that Herr Spahn. <laughs> yes. Hören Sie zu. Exactly. Okay. Another interesting and positive thing to mention is uh, yet another game uh, to uh, with the with the aim of um, developing critical thinking skills, and this time it was not done in English. It was done by Spanish developers, and um, it's um, it's it's done in a non-profit. Um, uh, form it's called World Wild Web, Ooh. and uh, it's not completely clear whether it is an initiative by ARPS APC, the Society for the Advancement of Critical Thinking, uh, our friends and uh, members of the uh, uh, EXO, the European Council of Skeptical Organizations, um, but they definitely promote it very actively. And um, they claim that the, the, the game will help you discover uh, the cognitive biases that, that can, can make you vulnerable to things on the internet, on the interwebs. <laughs> and, uh, on the tubes. <laughs> uh, it will help you, uh, yeah, it will help you recognize logical fallacies and, uh, and avoid committing them and how messages can be polarizing and how they can be counteracted um, and, uh, and uh, censorship and uh, how the, uh, the freedom of the internet can be exploited and can be used for good as well so um basically they try to um, make you a much more open-minded free thinker and uh, and critical thinker as well and it is done in a gamified format so it reminds me of things that we have already talked about like uh, breaking harmony square or bad news uh i think it goes uh, quite well the problem is that i could see the the video that is a trailer uh, with uh, um, available English um, captions, but uh, it was in Spanish. The whole game is in Spanish, and uh, obviously I could not start uh, playing the game because because I couldn't understand anything. <laughs> so uh, let us know. Um, we we know that there are people listening in uh, Spain as well. So let us know if there is or there are plans to make it available in English because then it could be quite an international thing. Ah, right. Interesting. Yes. Let's stay in Spain uh, for a while because a couple of weeks ago the Spanish government mm -hmm. came out with some, with some interesting information. We have covered many times attempts to f fight fake news on, on the internet. We have mostly talked about the social media giants like uh, Facebook and Twitter and YouTube etc. But uh, also on separate uh, fact-checking initiatives. But uh, the Spanish government has been working under the radar, so to speak, since March uh, 2019, so like 18 months. They have had some protocols in place regarding how to fight fake news that they deem to be a threat to the country. There's no doubt that there are real threats to governments and to democracy in general. We know about election things and, and, and uh, like that. But the, the Spanish government have now taken the next step and they have approved an update of their so-called protocols and probably for good reasons. But the controversial thing is that the government itself will, quote unquote, constantly monitor the internet. 
end quote. Whatever that means. And then they will search for fake news and stories and they will give a political response to such campaigns, end quote. So the whole thing is called the procedure for intervention against disinformation. And while I think their heart in this in the right place, I feel very uncomfortable with this. If, I don't have no direct reason to, to, to question the Spanish government's motives, but this sets a very dangerous precedent, in my opinion. Uh, Spain is probably fine doing this at the moment, but what if Orban in, in Hungary would do the same th- would say the same thing? You know, is it really the sitting government's job to try to suppress certain news that they th- declare is fake? It shouldn't. No. That is not right. Th- that's not the right way. Obviously they not. Should, they should have that as a separate independent unit if they have that. It's not yeah. for the government to do that. It shouldn't. Like, it's it's part of the division of um, power, I have to say. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So it yes. doesn't smell good. <laughs> no. It's especially because such, such a body should also keep an eye on what the government says. Yes. So... That should be combined. Yeah. All right. Okay. You know what else should not be done? (laughs) Judges in court making decisions based on scientific discussions. Because the problem is... That they should not decide what is science, no. Exactly. And they, they should not make decisions on something that requires a deeper understanding of science. Because they are not very well versed in science. That's not their field. No. So keep it that way. And please leave those decisions to science. What am I talking about? Not very far from Spain. Oh, um, actually, it is far because it's, it, it happened in the Azores, uh, which belongs to Portugal, but uh, so it's uh, so part of part of uh, the country of Portugal, but still in the middle of the Atlantic Ocean. Um, but four German tourists went there, and uh, because they entered the the quarantine zone, they were forced to stay in isolation for fourteen days in the hotel room, and they appealed against that decision and it became a complete court case and uh, they requested are you familiar with the term habeas corpus i've heard it i don't know if i can define it which is a request to relieve something from a detention or imprisonment that happened unlawfully Mm -hmm. according to them so they decided to go for that so the first decision was made on the 11th of november and uh, they said that um, they they will not be granted uh, that habeas corpus, uh, but they they uh, uh, took it to the court of appeal, and the court of appeal dis- decided based on a lot of misunderstandings of su- the science scientific background of PCR tests, testing in general, and how it is determined that someone is. Um, uh, allowed to to leave because they are clear and they don't have um, uh, the virus infection. And um, it looks like they quoted all the different kinds of uh, articles, one of them pub- uh, a paper published in The Lancet, and it was co- quoted by, a, by the judge, but it was misquoted and it was completely misunderstood. And they decided that it cannot be determined based on the PCR test whether someone has the virus or not, Mm. which is completely bogus. They said that a probability of a person receiving false positive is 97% or higher, which (laughs) neither of the papers they quote say at all. So they somehow brought along these scientific papers, they completely misunderstood them, misrepresented them, 
and provided them as evidence in court and made the decision that the the Germans can be released. Hmm. So this was, and obviously scientists in Portugal, they they were furious about this. They said that that this should not be happening, and I cannot could not agree more. Yeah, for me that sounds like, like a case. It doesn't belong to court. For me that sounds like a like a case for an expert witness. It's like if you as as a judge or as a, yes. a lawyer, you don't know the thing that you have to get in an expert witness there. Yeah. Well, it doesn't say this. Um, I only found this one uh, article in English uh, in the Portugal News, theportugalnews.com, and uh, they did not did not mention uh, too many of those expert witnesses. So it looks like that the, the it, it was done by the lawyers and the judge. So it's it, it's absolutely ridiculous. And you know what it reminds me of? Do you remember when uh, Simon Singh was sued for libel? Mm. For saying the truth about Chiropractic, chiropractors yeah. and that case actually sparked the movement called keep libel laws out of out of science but i think it's time for for us to expand that to all laws <laughs> keep <laughs> law out of science yes just yes. in general yeah. it's not the same field so well, just yeah stay stay on your field and let science do do its job exactly and some Policy-related uh, decisions should definitely be made based on science, because if you want to decide what the best course of action is, your best way to do to do that is through science. Yeah, and um, something completely unrelated to that actually is uh, <laughs> that there is a new study out about the um, effectiveness of, effectiveness of acupuncture for people recovering from breast surgery. <laughs> so completely different topic yeah we already know that people are skeptical about the effectiveness of uh acupuncture and uh now this study shows that maybe even uh acupuncture can make matters worse Ooh, finally a fa an effect out of uh, <laughs> yeah. acupuncture yeah exactly <laughs> yeah but not not the effect you want <laughs> they will want yeah, yeah. <laughs> no so like Edson Ernst reports on a study where patients either received massages or massages and acupuncture to re reduce post-operative stress or pain, anxiety, muscle tension or fatigue. And um, they had 42 patients undergoing the breast um, surgery. So it was 21 and 21 in the two groups. And they measured their mood, stress, anxiety, pain, fatigue, other and other things um, before the surgery and at regular intervals after. Interestingly, there was no additive beneficial effects with addition with the addition of acupuncture. Uh, it wasn't effective in reducing stress. Um, of course, you can see with 42 patients and 21 and 21, it, it we are in need of a bit of a larger study there. Yeah. But it's like as it Ernst actually deducted that because 100% of the massage group would say um, they would recommend the study, but only 94 of the massage and acupuncture group. He says that it is to assume that the acupuncture actually made things worse because if you add things, then it actually had to make things worse if there's less people recommending it then. Right. So, um, yeah, he says it's not unlikely that sticking needles into body parts can cause stress <laughs> or anxiety. <laughs> I have to agree with that. Like, it's... <laughs> Who likes that? Or like, yeah, there are people who like that, but they might not be the ones who receive breast uh, surgery. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, it's it's a very interesting study and um, something that we would like to uh, yeah keep you updated with if there's a bigger study done. 
oh, the effectiveness of acupuncture in, mm-hmm. in treating uh, stress and recovery from breast surgery. Right. Yeah, okay. And uh, finishing on something that uh, keeps everyone awake, whether to wear masks. <laughs> there was a trial back in spring, actually, uh, with over 6,000 participants. Uh, it's called the Denmark 19 trial. It was, uh, it was a Danish study. And um, back then it was not compulsory. No one was told to wear masks. It was still debated whether it's useful or not. And um, on November 19th, uh, on the, the, the Spectator, uh, Professor Carl Hennigan and Tom Jefferson posted an article uh, referring back to that study. And uh, that was uh, originally uh, published um, on uh, the Annals of Inter- Internal Medicine. So that study shows that uh, even though there were a couple of uh, issues with people not wearing the masks properly, but because it was not compulsory, uh, some of them could could be asked to to wear the mask and the others uh, other people um, didn't. And it showed that um, there was a little bit of effect of uh, wearers, mask wearers, not getting affected that much. But it was not a significant, the difference was not significant. Mm -hmm. So the problem is that now all the deniers, the COVID-19 deniers and anti-mask activists uh, they picked up this story and they started running with it, claiming that mask wearing doesn't do anything because it, it's it's not effective at all. Problem is that the other side that is most frequently being quoted as the reason to wear masks, which is that you protect the other person yes. from yourself uh, because you cannot, you don't know if you are infected. So uh, wearing a mask can protect the other person that you're talking to. That was not among the questions investigated in this study. So the the study didn't even look at that question. That's a very hard study to do as well, because that yes. means you'll have to expose people to the virus. Exactly. You, you can't control for that. Exactly. Yeah, but uh, even though it's difficult to control for, it didn't even try. No. So it was, it was not so, among the research questions. Yeah, so it's not a conclusion you can draw. Exactly. No. So... That means that most of the headlines that this story generated were absolutely misunderstanding the whole situation because they claimed that the masks, wearing masks is completely useless, which it is not. Uh, it's been shown that if you're wearing a mask, then the droplets that you, you can spread the virus with uh, are much less likely to reach the other person because they are not spreading that much. So, yeah, it's just the most important question was not asked. So um, this is just me saying that, no, that Danish study doesn't show that masks are useless. They are useful, but you know you have to know what it is useful for and don't expect anything else. All right, that has been all the news that we wanted to share with you. Uh, it's been quite a, quite a few of them. Uh, but uh, this this always happens when we miss a beat or two by uh, releasing an interview episode or something that is just pure fun like the the one last week. <laughs> but we before we go, I'd like to ask Pontus if we've got someone who's been really wrong lately. Yes. Okay. <laughs> So it's a good old-fashioned scam this week. Okay. Even a bit funny. Uh, and it only harms your wallet, uh, not your health. Even if it comes to us through our good friend Edzard Ernst. 
and uh, we we should actually have included him on last week's anniversary episode because even if we only had him on the show a couple of times he's always here in a way we mention him all the time <laughs> anyway yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> he's That's he's right. a he's the ghost <laughs> co-host ghost host of of the show ghost host oh god we, we we're coining phrases like crazy yeah, on today. fire <laughs> okay <laughs> All right, so he reports about a special Black Friday offer that he received last week. Uh, it was about the, quote, QI Tech EMF protection devices, end quote. Have you ever, ever heard of them? Oh, yeah, yeah. No. <laughs> no, but it sounds bogus. Yes, it is. <laughs> I hadn't heard about it either. So what it is, is a series of very expensive machines that will protect you from emf electromagnetic fields or at least it says it will thank god (laughs) yeah exactly we've heard many times uh, uh, about how dangerous it's supposed to be to be exposed to electric electrical fields or electrical radiation including of course wi-fi 2G, 3G, 4G, 5G, etc. And fear no more for only... Don't even say that word on the show. 5G. (laughs) Blasphemy. (laughs) For only £400 and £350 during Black Friday, (laughs) you can have your own portable QI-ME device, which provides a 2-meter diameter radiation-free zone that protects you wherever you want to go from all kinds of EMF. You can get uh, the bigger QI shield for only £900. Uh, That one is ideal for protecting your office or bedroom, say. And hold on tight. For a whopping £5,000, you can get the QI Max Cell, which covers your whole house or a diameter of 100 meters. Is it something that you have to plug in? I don't <laughs> Very good question. <laughs> Very good question. I don't know that. That would be funny. Yeah. yeah. Does it mean active shielding or some kind of a passive shield? Uh, I'll tell you how it's supposed to work. Okay. They are using, and I'm quoting now, negative electrons, end quote, to cover you. Are there- yeah. <laughs> okay. Yes, they are electric. They're negative, anyways. Normally, yeah. <laughs> they're, they're, they're no such thing as a positive electron. That, that's something else. That's called a positron. It's not an electron. electron. That's a positron. It's a... Yes. It's yeah. So it has to be a negative. Uh, so totally bullshit. Um, <laughs> all right. But amazing. That this shield of negative electrons actually is supposed to totally block out all natural or man-made EMF. Perfect. The funny thing is, of course, that if that would actually work, that would make all your phones and Wi-Fi and even radio, TV signals, everything totally go away. Nothing would work. You wouldn't be able to use any of that. But what's even more fun is that they have as an example of natural EMF in the opening sales pitch, they list sunlight, which is true. It's that's that's uh, part of the electromagnetic uh, spectrum. Electromagnetic spectrum. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it's part right. Of it. But that means if this product work, it would keep you in absolute darkness. There would be nothing. You couldn't see anything. <laughs> so this is this is like the onion. It should be a uh, it should be a joke, um, unless of course you buy their products and you lose your money. So this is a blatant scam trying to protect you from something that isn't dangerous. Wow! Uh, with technology that cannot work. Uh, I mean, negative electrons. Come on. <laughs> and if it did work, it would be totally useless, keeping you literally in the dark wow 
It reminds me of that uh, USB 5G uh, shielding stick. Do you remember that? Uh, vaguely. From well, a couple of months ago? Well, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think I think it was at the beginning of the year that, that uh, uh, I think I, I talked yeah. about it. <laughs> and it was a it, it was a USB stick. <laughs> so this is why I asked the question so whether it, it goes into the socket of some of some sort, at least to the USB plug. Or I don't know. But we <laughs> <laughs> it's a Chris creating the very radiation that you don't want to have. <laughs> right, right. Oh yeah, oh yeah, that's right. It's, it's like a negative. You have these USB Wi-Fi sticks. That creates a, a, a Wi-Fi yeah. when you put it in. This is the ob- that would be the the total opposite. It would kill the Wi-Fi by putting it in. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> anyway, for trying to scam the public out of lots of money for totally unnecessary and bogus products, the QI Tech devices get today's prize for being really wrong. Well deserved and yeah. a bit funny. Well deserved. <laughs> Another well deserved of that prize. Yeah. All right. So thank you very much, Pontus. And that means that we are concluding the show, but of course, we cannot leave without something that is a quote. Since we've mentioned Charles Robert Darwin twice already on this show, quite a show. (laughs) I love mentioning Darwin. I love talking about Darwin. I love the works of Darwin. His t-shirts, yes. His t-shirts. And (laughs) now I've got a quote for you. Yep. From Darwin himself. It hasn't been stolen, this quote. Now, this is the original quote. Yes, yes. And I, I researched it. I, I know it's from the, the Descent of Man, actually. So, false facts are highly injurious to the progress of science, for they often long endure. But false views, if supported by some evidence, do little harm, as everyone takes a salutary pleasure in proving their falseness. And when this is done... One path towards error is closed, and the road to truth is often at the same time opened. So, uh, I would say this little quote is I, is quite nice. Uh, I agree with it, mostly. <laughs> but I think it's a little bit naive, okay. uh, saying that uh, false views, if supported by some evidence, do little harm. Well, they can do a lot of harm, because that's the basis of misinf- misinformation, right? And today, I think, in the time of, of Darwin, publication was not done the way it, it's, it is today. And especially no. preprint servers were not, not around. Instead, I think, <laughs> instead I've heard that they had 109 little boxes that they put and sometimes misplaced. <laughs> <laughs> Good one. And on that very funny note, uh, I think we are concluding the show. That means that I'd like to thank both of you. Annika and Pontus for joining me today. Thank you. Thank you. For the start of that next batch of 250 episodes. (laughs) And I'd like to thank our listeners as well for tuning in. Please keep doing so and spread the word. And until next week, goodbye. Bye-bye. Tschüss. Hey do. Bis This has been your ESP experience. The show is produced and recorded by the ESP.eu. Join us again next time, but until then, please send your feedback, comments or death threats to info at theesp.eu. We would also love to hear your ideas and suggestions regarding future episodes as well as news from your country of residence that might interest others across the continent. 
If you have a local event or organization to promote, please don't hesitate to let us know, as we are more than happy to help. All music in the program was written and performed by Keisha J. Gray and George Shrub and is used with their permission. Please check out our webpage at theesp.eu, follow us on Twitter at espodcast underscore eu and like us on Facebook. I don't know how you can believe. Cardinal Wellet. I, I don't know how that's pronounced actually. Wellet? Wellet? Really? Really? Cardinal? Really? No. Yo, you started the whole thing with uh, Francis being caught with his pants on. Now you're co- talking about Cardinal Willie? No. Oh my God. <laughs> yeah. uh, Archbishop Bechu. <laughs> Bitch, you. Anyone. They, okay. Forget about how to pronounce this. I, I obviously don't know what I'm saying here, but... This is like a porn squad. <laughs> uh, but also on, on separate fact-fecking... Fact-fecking? No. <laughs> Sounds very wrong for Germany. Fact-fucking. You know, that, that should be... Fact that should be fucking. a new expression. Fact-fucking. Fact-fucking fact <laughs> initiative. You know... Yeah, you you can you can say it to someone who's spreading spreading absolute misinformation and absolute bogus bogus things, and you can say, you know what you're doing? You're fact fucking, man. I think we've just invented a very good word here. Yeah. Fact fucking. Uh, Hashtag fact fucking. Oh, no, fact fucking. <laughs>